Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Michael Rand of the Star Tribune to answer your questions in this Friday mailbag edition before the Vikings head to Soldier Field to take on the Bears. Uh, Thank you for sending them to us. You can find our Twitter handles, uh, our emails at startribune.com. There's also a submission form on that site to send us questions. And that is where we got one here from um, Al wants to know, what do you guys think would be Daniil Hunter's trade value uh, at at midseason point here? The trade deadline's coming up. I believe it's after the Packers game, Mike? Yes, after the Packers game. It's Halloween is when the... If they somehow come out of that one and seven, two and six, um, we're looking at a spot where Daniil is probably one of your best options to move if they decide to go in that direction. Um, And we were just talking about beforehand what he could possibly fetch and historically what the comps are. Um, I guess, first off, what do you think about the season he's had so far? I mean, he started off fast. He was leading the league in sacks at a certain point. I don't know where he is right now, but he's – He's gotten, you know, consistent pressure and the one, you know, the one game where he and Davenport, you know, really wreaked havoc on on Carolina. That was impressive. So I think he's had a he's looked more comfortable in this version of the defense than in Ed Donatel's defense where they were asking him to do a lot more. He's been pretty good this year. And, and as much as we like to, you know, me in, in particular, like to kind of bandy about the idea of a Kirk Cousins trade, a Daniel Hunter trade if they get to that point in the season, feels a lot more likely, right? Especially because of the path they've gone down where they've explored this, where he's in the final year of his contract, he doesn't have that no-trade clause, things like that. A, a Daniil Hunter trade, if they got to that point, seems like a much easier kind of move. And I don't know exactly what they get for him at this point or what the salary cap ramifications are, but it it feels like that one is the most doable, even if... Kirk Cousins is all the talk of the, you know, I, there's a lot of Kirk Cousins rumors out there this week um, that I don't know if we should be paying attention to. It's also a lot easier to put Hunter in another team's system than it is Kirk Cousins. Yes. He's played 4-3. He's played 3-4. He's a pass rusher you can plug in. It's quite a bit easier to say there's value in trading for this guy in the middle of the season. $10 million base uh, one and a, up to one and a half in per game roster bonuses. That's all that would move. the The prorated portion of that is all that would move. He's only twenty nine, actually, turns twenty nine later this month, I believe, and um, still is showing he's productive. So yeah, I think there'd be value there, and I don't know that he's going to be a player that resigns here. So yeah, that would seem like a a good trade candidate. I mean, they had I had reported this last year that they had chopped him around and I think they have at least listened to offers a little bit this year as well but um, yeah I think as we get closer to the trade deadline it's certainly a possibility that he's a a good candidate to move if in fact they decide to go that way I also kind of wonder about Marcus Davenport yeah where that would go guy on a one-year deal if he can show that he's healthy and productive yeah he's he's shown in the last couple weeks he's productive when he's healthy is he going to be healthy is always, I think, the question with him. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. 
Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, that would be interesting. Both of them rentals to any team being on one-year deals. Um, if if there was a pass rush needy team chasing a ring, certainly. Uh, that's a good question. Got a couple good questions from Rick here. Look, we, oh, didn't really, we didn't really talk about his value, though. I'm curious. Like Ben, do you have a thought about like what what is is Daniel Hunter worth a third round pick at this point a fourth round pick I don't think they'd get that I don't think they'd get a third okay um I mean the, the mid-season rental market has seemed like it's a later pick okay um they got a four or five I I would think you'd you'd say yes to that I mean you know I don't know maybe there'd be a team out there that would give up a third I, mean, I guess TJ Hawkins went for a second but you know would would that have been the market for the rest of the league? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> right? I don't know. Um, if you thought he was somebody that you were going to be able to resign and you wanted for the future, like the Vikings did with TJ Hawkinson, then maybe you give up a little more. But other than that, I, I think a, a high day three pick would be a, a good return. Yeah. If we look at the comparisons, Khalil Mack got a two and a six from the chargers. Yeah. Um, that was a that was year ago. trade too, though, right? It was offseason. Khalil Mack, obviously a higher pedigree player, even at that point a year and a half ago. Um, but uh, I think Hunter is looking, yeah, at his age, you bring it up, 29, um, where he's at. And, and certainly the difficulties, a team would have to know, a team that's trading for him would have to know that they are comfortable potentially with pursuing an extension that has been so hard for the Vikings to actually lock down. Not not just this regime, but uh, the old regime as well. Um, once Daniel Hunter signed that first deal, he's been really difficult to pin down on any deals after that. Because he's been chasing the deal, but he didn't <laughs> sign the first time. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just I, I think that kind of adds to the complications of how many suitors he would have. Yeah, and don't forget, too, you mentioned the old regime traded – a two for Yannick Ngakwe, then got a three back from him in the middle of the year. So I don't know if that's a comp. I know he was younger, but that's another one to kind of remember as we think about mid-year edge rush trades. Um, let's get to this question here from Rick. He had a couple good ones. He asks, it looks like both Travis Kelsey and Justin Jefferson were injured slipping on the U.S. Bank Stadium turf when trying to make cuts. Is this another example of the dangers of turf versus grass that players talk about? Um, that is interesting because we've seen uh, players go down. The NFLPA says that injury rates are higher on those surfaces, um, and I believe there's only a few of them left, right? Yes. Of the particular type of turf the Vikings have, the slit film turf, I think there are only three or four left in the NFL. And the Vikings are replacing – well, I should say the, the MSFA is replacing the, the field at U.S. Bank Stadium after this season. So this – particular surface will go they have been I think receiving bids for new turf options I don't know if the next one will be slit film or will be the monofilament I think the Lions went to this last year when they'd had a couple players like Rashawn Gary from the Packers tore his ACL on the slit film turf it's worth noting too that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Lewis Seen was injured has slit film turf so this has not been a surface that a lot of people feel terribly comfortable on. I, I, I think basically the fibers tend to uh, break apart more often and, and leaves these kind of gaps in the turf that people can catch cleats in. And, and we, you know, I think that certainly looks like it happened to Travis Kelsey on Sunday. The cut Justin Jefferson made, I think that may have been a factor there as well. Um, 
we'll have to see what they have to say about that. I, I don't know that they'll be terribly forthright about that if that is, in fact, an issue. But that field will be replaced after this season, whether it's the, the split film. I would I would assume it would be the monofilament would be the next thing. But, yes, the NFLPA has been pushing for grass surfaces everywhere, basically saying if you can put grass in when FIFA wants it for the World Cup in 2026, you should be able to put it in for your – everyday employees that prefer it in you know every NFL season that's tougher in some places than others obviously this would be a tough place to do it but I think the point JC Treader the NFLPA uh, president has made and former Green Bay Packers center has made is if you can grow turf or if you can grow grass at Lambeau Field you should be able to grow grass just about anywhere. Uh, is, isn't that what MetLife has, where Aaron Rodgers went down? MetLife has turf, I believe, oh, right? Okay, okay. Um, don't I thought they had the the slim what or what what is it called? Slit film? film. Slit film. Thank you. Yes. Um, not slim fit film. We should uh, um, slit film. We should um, check on the surface there. But I, because that's what got Bakhtiari and all these guys online talking about how why do we still have these surfaces. Um, when grass is so much easier on joints, on falling, on all those things. Uh, it is turf at MetLife Stadium. It is, they call it, yeah, it's monofilament. So this would be the, uh, this is the better version. Okay. Aaron Rodgers got hurt on the better version. Gotcha. Okay. So the U.S. Bank Stadium turf is still the older version. Uh, Ford Field has upgraded to the better version as well. As an aside to the uh, turf conversation too, I believe the, Turf replacement at U.S. Bank Stadium is the reason the Gopher baseball team will not have a home game for quite some time this year. Which means the Gopher baseball team will have a lot of games canceled due to weather. <laughs> and a lot of games in California and yep. Texas, which those guys yep. actually aren't that yep. sad about. So No, that's not the worst thing in the world. I'm taking a an inside fastball with an aluminum bat in 40-degree weather is not a ton of fun. Rick also wants to know, are we going to start seeing more speedy Brandon Powell in the Vikings offense? He said, I was surprised to see his number get called against the Chiefs as much as he did, and he looked good. Uh, he did have, obviously, stepped in after Jefferson went down, is the third receiver, and will be um, the third receiver. And I've thought since we saw him in training camp, he looked, I mean, before they cut Jalen Naylor, before uh, Rager, before they made that decision, um, I think that's a deep cut that that no one's going to get. Um, I, I did think that, you know, there were a few writers we were talking amongst ourselves saying that this seems like it was going that way in early August because of how well Powell was running the offense, how comfortable he seemed and how reliable his hands were compared to Rager um, on the field. And, and I do think we're going to see more of him. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Jefferson load is put more on the guys immediately behind him. Addison next to him, Hawkinson, those guys. Yeah, I mean, to me it feels mostly like an opportunity for Addison, right? Like you're going to see four games where he's kind of the number one in some cases. I know they've still got Osborne who will get some looks, but this feels like, to to quote Adonatel, kind of feels like Addison's time to shine. I don't think it's going to be a direct transfer from Jefferson to one person. I mean, Jefferson is, is I think, responsible for 26% of their targets this year, and it was higher last year. I think it was 28% last year. So you're going to have a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. I think Addison probably is at the top of that list. Brandon Powell gets some of that. I think Osborne, Hawkinson probably, I would think they maybe run the ball a little bit more um, to some of those touches will turn into handoffs or targets will turn into handoffs but there's a big 
portion of this offense that has to go somewhere uh, because it won't be Justin Jefferson for a month, and I would not be entirely stunned if it's more than that. Uh, I, I do think Jordan Addison steps into um, you know what did O'Connell say? It's large shoes to fill, but you know a guy like Addison seems ready for the moment. And you're right; it's not just gonna. It's not like he's going to step into that target share, but. Uh, I do think he's more primed to do it than KJ Osborne. I yeah. think he was more reliable Sunday than TJ Hawkinson. Um, it, it's just interesting to see that this kid has has kind of emerged as a more reliable option, at least to how we're feeling on October, whatever it is. So that can change. Hawkinson could have a huge game Sunday and really fill those shoes. And it could be a week to week thing of who they feature based on the matchups. Um, but Jordan Addison's looked really good. And Kevin O'Connell did say, too, that he had a huge game Sunday and it could have been even bigger, quite honestly. And that was kind of a dig at Kirk Cousins for missing him sometimes, uh, which was interesting. Um, so I do think that this is somebody who could put up in Addison some big numbers here, um, if they especially get some soft opponents, if it's Chicago, Denver, whoever they end up playing here. Down yeah, there. Atlanta, New Orleans. I got New Orleans probably defensively is a little bit better, but um... – yeah, there's there's opportunities there for Addison to um, make a statement. I think. Uh, I thought this one was kind of interesting. Um, Noel asks, "Do you think this team has the same spark and camaraderie as last year? It just feels like they aren't as cohesive." Um, it it got me thinking just with the number of veterans that are not here, the number of leaders that or people that were vocal in that locker room that are not here. Yeah. Um, I I did think it was interesting and just wanted to see what, what we all thought of that. I thought it was an interesting question. It is. It's a good one because this is a very young locker room now that has quite the age gap yep. between the um, Kirk Cousins and Harrison Smiths of the locker room and the Andrew Booths and Jordan Addisons who are literally 21, 22 years old, 23. Um, it, it, I, I think you're seeing them kind of – try to transfer the culture to these young guys and that's why they keep a Harrison Smith around a Jordan Hicks an Adam Thielen even through last year um I just don't know you're not seeing the immediate results I don't think and and I, I, that's not transferring onto the field in those critical moments like it did last year um I think some of that's performance I think some of that's cohesiveness um and I, I think it works in some cases. We hear Jordan Hicks get praised a lot for Ivan Pace and kind of the tutelage he's done with him and, and brought him along. And I'm sure it works in on individual cases. But when you don't have a voice, like I thought it was interesting before before the game on Sunday, Josh Metellus was breaking down the huddle. That reminded me of when Everson Griffin first left the Vikings and they turned to Anthony Harris. And I like Anthony Harris as a player, and I think a lot of players really liked Anthony. Um, but it just seemed like that was kind of a forced leadership voice and role. And it kind of feels that way with, I think Metellus is one of those guys that certainly has looked up to and he's spoken in front of the team and they've credited him for a lot of things. Yeah. They, I mean, they certainly like his but presence a lot. Where's Harrison Smith? Where's Daniel Hunter? Where's Hicks? Where's, where are the guys who have, you know, the pelts on the wall per se that really kind of could lead this young group. And I think the fact that Metellus was the one breaking down the entire team before a big game against the Kansas city chiefs spoke volumes of the, how young this kind of core really is. And the fact that you have uh, two or three names you named are not terribly vocal guys. Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, that's not going to be a spot where you see those guys in the middle of a huddle kind of exhorting the team. It's just not how they do things. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a 
a void there. I mean, certainly a, I, I, Patrick Peterson is the name that comes to mind the most. You talk about a guy with pelts on the wall. He had a, probably more of them than anybody in that locker room, Harrison Smith possibly included. I mean, Harrison Smith I think would be the one guy that would have a comparable resume. But, yeah, Patrick Peterson was also a guy that would speak up and say what he felt needed to be said when he felt he needed to say it. I think there's a little bit of that missing. Um, I I would be curious to see what coaches think of that because it. I mean, Eric Kendricks would be the other yeah, name I was thinking that of comes him. to mind. Well, um, and not here. And the guys who are still here have seen a lot of these guys go, and a lot of the who you might think of as leaders are on the last year of their deals. Like yeah. when that happens, you start to kind of look a little bit further in the future than in the little. moment. You got cousins. Hunter, Harrison Smith doesn't know what his future is beyond this year. They've seen Kendricks go. They've seen Peterson go. They've seen Thielen go. They've seen Cook go. Like They know this is kind of coming, getting towards the end of a certain line here. And I think that affects chemistry sometimes. You start to not play just for yourself, but you're starting to think, what's my next move as opposed to what's the team's next yeah, move? Yeah, it's, it's a little less all for one, one for all when it's like, well, okay, but how much longer am I going to be here? How much longer am I going to live here? All that stuff does come into it. These are human beings we're talking about, too. And last year, like, it was just the refreshing change, right? It was O'Connell instead of eight years of Zimmer. It was just a new, a breath of fresh air. It's not new this year. It's the same. We got time for one more. Any other questions? That's not like Bob Hagen time for two more. I actually had two, but I'll I'll do one for sure. Um, Teddy wants to know, how is it that Kyrie's Tonga flashed last year while given chances, but now he's not even active on game days? When at the same time we're stuck watching Dean Lowry give very little production and zero pass rush. Yeah, Dean Lowry's not even playing that much anymore. None of the he, linemen are playing pretty much. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's all all edge rushers in the middle much. on the edge yeah, wherever. Yeah, pretty much. That's true. Um I think yeah, if Harrison Phillips is like one of the lone guys still playing seventy plus percent. Uh Lowry's gone from playing sixty percent to half of that now in a pretty steady role. Uh, he started the week one and, and is now pretty much phased out because they're putting in Jaqueline and Roy as a bit player along with him. They're putting in um, uh, Jonathan Bullard, who they really like and continue to mix into there as well. Yeah, typically um, when it's those two, four, five packages that's been Bullard and Phillips a lot of times when they feel like they need a more of a, a presence up front. And surprisingly, Tonga's the guy that they just don't feel a, a use for because he's been a healthy scratch the past few games, if not the past couple. Um, went from playing a little to playing none. Uh, they've really tightened up their rotations and found out who they want to use because Brian Asamoah is not playing at all on defense and hasn't since, I think, the Chargers week when he played a couple snaps. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're <laughs> – I look at these games and in, in, on defense, and I, when I look at it, I don't think, boy, they just they need a run stuffing nose tackle. I think they need corners who can cover. Yeah. I think they need more pass rush. Um, Certainly that. I, I like Tonga as a as a player when they had him in the role last year. We haven't seen him a lot this year, but I don't know how much that's kind of affecting what's going on. It, for people asking why, uh, it's a the simplest explanation is different schemes, different coordinators. Yeah, I was going to say that they're going to have different yeah. values, different opinions of players. Um, what worked or applied last year does not necessarily apply this year. Yeah, see Brian Awesome and Ivan yep. Pace. Yep. 